What number is this, Chip? Episode 40. Monkey's a la carte commentary, Mike Nesmith's In Phoenicia, and Mickey's new CD, A Little Bit Broadway, A Little Bit Rock and Roll. <laughs> okay, don't, mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. you know you are listening to zilch your monkeys podcast i'm ken mills and today we are joined by sarah clark bonjour and melanie mitchell bonjour bonjour which is i think how they say it. michelangelo bonarotti so here we are on this episode of zilch we're going to be talking about some cool stuff some cool monkey news going on but first i need to apologize to you dear listeners Mm-hmm. Cue that sad music in the background. In our discussion on Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited, side two, I messed up. I described Kim Capali as a woman. And it turns out, according to Karen Welsh in reality, that Kim Capali is, in fact, a man. Yeah. That's not your mother, it's a man, baby! Yeah. Yeah. I apologize to all you Zilch listeners for foobarring as only I can. We do a lot of research here and some things just fall between the cracks, right? Quite often. So That's I'd like an understandable to understandable mistake. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to thank Karen Welsh for being the first to point that out. And then apparently all one hundred and twenty nine other people who wrote in saying that I in fact messed that one up. I've actually thought about re editing the show, so who knows? You might want to hang on to your MP three copy of Zilch Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones discussion side two because I might re-edit it someday. Just yeah, this version might be worth something one of these days. It wasn't worth anything when it was made. I doubt it'll be worth anything. Twice as much. Yes. Exactly. We'll sign the USB drive. There you go. So I'm sorry about that, folks. We try to to give you the best, and in full disclosure. I had to apologize to you folks because we want to only bring you the best. And speaking of best, we have some monkey news. Da, 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 da. Sarah? Yes. Something's happening. A new Nez CD. Yes, something is happening. In Phoenicia is happening. In Phoenicia? In Phoenicia. I think I ordered and, that at Olive Garden once. Well, everybody say this together because we all need to, do, to say this right. According to Nez, it is pronounced in Phoenicia. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what is in, in Phoenicia? In Phoenicia is the trilogy that Nez has uh, finally completed after about 40 years. He recently announced that he will be releasing The Ocean, which is the third part in a trilogy that also includes The Prison and The Garden, uh, which are three... Uh, They've been called New Age, but I'm not exactly sure if that's a good term for it either, and neither is Nez, actually. Kind of uh, instrumental, uh, basically a book with a soundtrack is how he describes these things over the years. His announcement off of Facebook, he says, I put the finishing touches on Ocean a while back, and release date for the single CD and CD box set is going to be October 1st. There will be a signed, numbered, limited special edition before that date, and in fact, pre-orders have already started for the special edition, the Infinitia box set. You can get it at Video Ranch. I checked just as we were about to record. It looked like copies were still available. It is $200, but it is a limited to 200 copies, numbered and signed first edition box set. And those of you who have bought kind of the premium box sets from Video Ranch in the past, Movies of the Mind and other things that he's put out, know that uh, he gives you pretty good value for the money. So uh, those uh, box sets apparently will be shipping October 12th and uh, hopefully we will hear more as things evolve, but we want to make sure folks know. So a new NES CD. 
yes, I'm really excited about it. I've listened to The Prison and The Garden quite a number of times. Uh, I know there's a lot of fans of those out there. It's a little bit different than some of Nez's normal, uh, more kind of country rock stuff, but it's an interesting direction he's taken with those releases. I, I think of it sort of as his version of Stephen King's uh, Dark Tower series, where he's kind of got this, you know, side project that's just very different from most of the stuff that he's, mo- that he's best known for. Well, very good. And if you'd like to check out the new NES CD, you can check out the links in our show notes. Well, ladies, it's time to jump into the Zilch Monkeys mailbag. Ready? Always. All three of us at, all three of us at the same time? Yes. Ready? Ooh, One, two, three, time. go. Cannonball! <laughs> P.O. Box Okay. Well, here's some feedback that we've gotten. As of late, Akiro XKE writes in, You guys are correct on the song, What Am I Doing Hanging Around? It does have Nesmus unmistakable stamp on it. I wonder if he didn't just hand off the credit to his former bandmate as a way of saying thanks. Remember we were talking about Michael Martin Murphy writing that song, but I, I'm pretty sure Michael Martin wrote it. But the, but the very cool thing that Akiro points out is, you mentioned that Douglas Dillard played electric banjo on that track. Did you know that he was probably best known as, did you know he was probably best known as a member of the bluegrass playing Darling family on the Andy Griffith show? Oh, that's good. I want to and away we go. No, I did not know that. Did you guys know that? Neither did I. I will yeah. never watch Andy Griffith the same way again. I've always loved those characters. That was such a classic moment. Mm-hmm. Anytime the Darling family was on the Andy Griffith show, it was very cool. Very cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I do agree with you, Ken, that I think Michael Martin Murphy being semi-familiar with his solo work, I think that was what his song. I think it's just that the two of them have a somewhat similar writing style. And Nez just nailed it, plain and simple. Absolutely. Great performance, great song. Sarah, would you like to read the next one? Yes. Okay. This one is titled Great Podcast. Another five-star rating. Yay. From Sven Kid. He says, Sven, I assume is the guy, says, this podcast is great. This is making me go back to the old episodes and new solo albums so I can feel in the know. I would love a zilch podcast that ran through the history from 1965 to present with all the lineup changes, etc. I agree, and that's what Sven has to say. I think that would be really neat. And this is something I've kind of been playing with as we roll towards the 50th anniversary and things coming closer. I've been thinking of maybe either on the Facebook group or even as an occasional segment on the podcast doing a 50 years ago this month segment where I kind of talk about the big events that were happening in the monkey's history. Wow, that's a really good idea. Yeah. And and it is interesting to note that any band that seems to have lasted this long does have different permutations and different lineup changes. So I think that it's that way with any band. Are we yep. talking about the 1969 lineup with Cousin Oliver? <laughs> I don't think we discuss that. Oh. That's, a, well, that's not something we acknowledge. That's a little Brady Bunch joke there. Robbie Rist, if you're listening, we love you. Hi, Hi. Robbie. That was Ven Kid from our iTunes reviews, and if you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes, we would love it if you would do that, because it helps get us noticed by the algorithms at iTunes, and they put us on their front page as a result. So that would be very cool if you would do that, and we would be very happy. If you enjoy the show, let everyone know on iTunes. And finally, Tim Powers contacted us via our Blogspot Zilch page over at zilchmonkeyscast.blogspot.com. He says, Hey Zilchers, I wanted to be the first to point this out to you. The New York Times is trying to... Save the Texas Prairie Chicken! Tim Powers goes on to say, Once again, Nez is 50 years ahead of everybody else. And now, here is our own Melanie Mitchell with the story. I'm calling in with the ornithology report. I'm actually was inspired to look into this by a little rumble that went through the monkeyverse a few weeks ago when a judge in Texas took the lesser prairie chicken 
off of the threatened species list. And there were some questions that bounced around on Facebook and Tumblr saying, does this mean we succeeded in saving the Texas prairie chicken? Or does this mean that the Texas prairie chicken is in worse shape than ever? And so I did a little digging and found that what happened was that this federal judge in Texas was asked by a petroleum company to remove the lesser prairie chicken from the threatened species list because that listing was causing an undue burden on employers and businesses. The argument was that there were voluntary methods that could be used to preserve the lesser prairie chicken that hadn't been used yet. So the judge said, you're right, the lesser prairie chicken is not threatened, it is merely vulnerable. So that's what happened with that. That said, I don't think that this is the Texas prairie chicken that we're talking about. Um, the, the lesser prairie chicken, which is Tympanicus pallidocinctus, lives in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, New Mexico, and Colorado. And its status was merely threatened, not endangered. There's also a species called the greater prairie chicken. It's also vulnerable, but it's found as far north as the Dakotas and even into Canada. I don't think that's the Texas prairie chicken either. It turns out there's a subspecies called Atwater's prairie chicken. And that's the one that's covered in that news story that Tim wrote us about. The Atwater's prairie chicken is found only in Texas. In fact, they all live on the Atwater's Prairie Chicken Wildlife Preserve, where desperate measures are underway to protect the Atwater's Prairie Chicken. There are approximately 100 Atwater's Prairie Chickens alive today. And that's up from 50 about 10 wow. years ago. Mm. So I believe that the Atwater's Prairie Chicken actually is the Texas Prairie Chicken that Nez was talking about. As I said, it only lives in Texas used to be found in Louisiana 100 years ago, but it's dwindled greatly. Secondly, because it is extremely endangered. And thirdly, because it first arrived on the endangered species list in 1967. Wow. And that's my evidence. Sorry, I think that is good evidence. <laughs> we should all be trying to save the Atwater's Prairie Chicken. I have sent a donation to the Friends of the Atwater's Prairie Chicken National Wildlife Preserve, and we'll provide a link for you all to do that as well. If you've ever quoted it, worn a button that says that, or just shared that video with your friends, then you, it's, it's your burden to do your part to actually save the Texas Prairie Chicken. Here endeth the ornithology report. Very good, thank you for that update. We can find more people who view the prairie chickens as something worth saving. Perhaps there is a glimmer of hope after all. <laughs> Don't now. Now really, everybody cool it, because I'm gonna be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? Let's go again. Hey, that's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. That's a nice thought. That's a nice button. What is? <laughs> oh. Let's go again. Oh wow, that's a groovy button. What does it say? It says love is the ultimate trip. Oh, that's a nice thought. That's a nice button. What does it say? Save the text. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go again. Hey, that's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. That's a nice thought. That's a nice button. What does it say? Save the Texas prairie. <laughs> Let's go again. Hey, what is it? <clears throat> hey, that's a nice button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, that's a groovy thought. That's a nice button. What does it say? Save the Texas prairie. <laughs> Hold it. Wait, no. Let's go again. Hey, that's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, that's a nice thought. That's a groovy button. What does it say? Save the Texas prairie chicken. Well, Mickey Dolans was on Jimmy Fallon this last week, and everyone was very excited about it, but a lot of people were disappointed because he sat in with the band. He, he wasn't a featured guest. He just kind of got to hang out with the Roots and talk a bit and have some fun with the guys in the band, and it was pretty neat to see him. He was, of course, in New York to do his Broadway show, and Melanie, you happened to catch it. Are you ready to give us your review? do my best. I was there last night. That was Friday night. Um, the last of those shows is tonight, that's Saturday. It was a wonderful show, and I had an absolutely fantastic time. 
Um, I'm not actually going to talk so much about the show itself, but I'm going to talk up the CD because it's too late for our listeners to actually take in the show. So, but they can get the CD, and that's just as good. It's an amazing CD. It has all of the intros, all of the stories, all of the anecdotes, and all of the jokes, and not just the usual ones. There's there's some pretty extraordinary fun ones in in this uh, in this show. I mentioned when we were talking about the um, monkeys tour recently about D.W. Washburn and how it sounded like it was lifted directly out of a Broadway show, and that is one of the songs on this CD and in that show. But very similar to it is is a song from the show You're in Town, which is a 2001 Broadway show called. And the title of the song is Don't Be the Bunny. Mickey tells a lovely story about what it was like when he first wanted to get into doing Broadway shows and when he spoke to his vocal coach about preparing him. Hopefully we can play a little bit of that story and a little bit of the song Don't Be the Bunny because it was, for me, the absolute highlight of this show and of the CD. So from his new album, Don't Be the Bunny, here's a bit of that now. So many years ago I was fortunate enough to... uh, to get offered a couple of Broadway shows, musicals. I was always a big fan, but I didn't really know how to get into that world. I lived out in Los Angeles, but eventually I got a, I got a break. I did Grease uh, on Broadway and the national tour. Yeah, <clears throat> I played Sandy. I, <laughs> a stretch, but... No, I played the uh, sleazy disc jockey Vince Fonte. <laughs> typecasting. But I went to my vocal coach and I said, I want to start auditioning for shows and I want to do something like, you know, I want to work up songs like Music of the Night and Phantom because I want to be the Phantom. He, He was like, okay. Well, maybe you should start working on songs that, you know, of parts and characters that would be conceivable that you could do. So <laughs> uh, he, he suggested this one t- uh, a tune from Urine Town. Remember that great show? And I worked it up, I learned it, got me three different shows. <laughs> this is my moneymaker, <laughs> including Pippin, which I did uh, the revival at the Good Speed uh, not long ago. bunny in the meadow is nibbling grass without a care he's so delightful as he hops for you you say hi bunny and he stops for you you pull your trigger and he drops for you <laughs> goodbye bunny boo hello rabbit stew get me boys you tell him boss don't be the bunny Don't be the stew Don't be the dinner You've got better things to do It ain't no joke That's why it's funny So take the cue Don't be the bunny Don't be the bunny A little bunny at a toll booth He needs a measly 50 cents Our little bunny didn't plan ahead. (laughs) Poor bunny simply doesn't have the bread. (laughs) He begs for mercy but gets jail instead. Hoss and pfeffers in the air as the bunny gets the chair. (laughs) See the moral people? There's they, boss. Don't be the bunny. Don't be the dope. Don't be the loser. You're much better than that hope. You're born to power, you're in the money. Advice to you, don't be the bunny. Don't be the bunny. Another thing I really enjoyed about the show and the CD were there were several songs, four or five of them, that Mickey sang in a very soft voice, which is something I don't think I've really heard much from him. Um, it's sort of like the beginning of the song as we go along before it builds up to that, you know, open your eyes where it starts to get really powerful. But he had whole songs that were at that quiet, gentle, romantic level. 
beautiful, loving, oh, amazing stuff. He dedicated one of these songs to his wife, Donna, and told a lovely story about um, how their marriage began. And um, also the encore of the entire show was in that mode. You know, you tend to think of the encores of monkey shows, you know, they come back and they do Pleasant Valley Sunday and I'm a believer and it's real loud and exciting. Mm-hmm. The, the encore of this show was pure imagination from oh. the chocolate factory. And it was so sweet and so gentle and loving. And it was just an amazing way to end the night. And then hopefully we can play a little bit of that too. I'm going to make Ken play a little bit of that. Okay. We'll, we'll torment him. Exactly. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin Traveling in the world of my creation What you'll see will defy explanation If you want a view paradise Simply look around and view it Anything you want to do it Want to change the world There's nothing to it There is no life I know With pure imagination Living there You'll be free If you truly Wish to be I really am almost a little jealous that you got to go to that show because uh, I've just heard so many wonderful things. I haven't ordered the CD yet, but uh, that is kind of the next thing on my to-do list, and I know it's available out there at most of the usual spaces, so um, definitely everybody should get it. Mickey Dolan's A Little Bit Broadway, A Little Bit Rock and Roll, and absolutely everyone should get it. It is not... There are like six or seven monkey songs. Most of them are done sort of kind of in the way you're used to hearing them but um, you know there are a little bit of variations here and there because it was a very different band um, that he was playing with but it's the other material the songs he learned from his parents the the Broadway songs that, that uh, sort of touch on his life like Mr. Cellophane and he tells this story about um, his daughter and taking her out when she was very young this is Amy Dolan's mm-hmm. and being accosted by fans and wanting to be able to be invisible so that mm. people wouldn't, you know, bother them while they're having a father-daughter moment. Some of these stories are absolutely wonderful, and they're quite long, and they're all on the CD. When I listened to the CD, it was just like seeing the same show over again, oh, which lovely. really surprised me because I thought it was just going to be the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the stories are there in full. There's this one absolutely wonderful story that he told not something that he experienced himself but something that was related to him about two submarines chasing each other through the deep waters and I'm going to ask Ken to play a little of that I hope he can I'm going to leave it up to your imagination what the song was that this is leading on to now I'm trying to think about what it would be a little story about this song of course huge hit one of my favorite 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 tunes to but uh, not long, you know, about, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago or something, I did this in concert one night, and this guy comes up to me after the show. You know, uh, I guess he must have been, you know, 50s or something like that. And he said, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, I'm a big fan and love what you, all your songs. I've got to tell you a story. In the 60s, uh, when this song came out, I was in the Navy, and I was on a nuclear submarine 
under the North Pole. And we were playing cat and mouse with a, a Russian submarine under the North Pole, and we were chasing them, they were chasing us, we were hiding from them, they were hiding from us, that whole run silent, run deep kind of thing. And he said, uh, one day, after doing this for weeks, I guess, he said, they busted us, they, 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 they found out where we were. Somebody must have made a noise, because you had to be really quiet. He said, you walked around in your socks, no shoes, it had to be very, very quiet. Well, something happened, and the Russian sub busted them, they knew where they were, and the American sub knew that the Russians knew that they knew the Russians knew that they knew. So. <laughs> and so the captain basically said, screw it. And he cranked up the internal sound system, the PA system in the whole submarine at, at number 11. <laughs> because all the Russians, of course, are like wearing headphones and they're being very quiet and they're listening. And he cracked it up to 11 and played this. <laughs> broadwayrecords.com as well as all of the usual music purchasing venues. I've just had a hectic week at work or I would have gotten it sooner but it, that is on my to-do list to get next because I'm really excited about listening to this because in addition to being a monkey's nerd if you haven't figured that out I'm, I'm quite the Broadway theater geek too so I'm really looking forward to hearing his take on some show tunes. Well if you listen to the CD you're getting the entire show that I saw last night, and more, even some more, because he had to leave a couple of songs out last night. Um, I didn't get to hear Mr. Cellophane live, but it's on oh. the CD. But it was just a wonderful, wonderful show with lots of fun stories to tell. Yay. Yeah. H- highly recommend it. Awesome. And of course, you can get this album at Amazon.com, and you can actually get a little bit cheaper if you only want the MP3. You can get the whole album for eight ninety nine there, and the physical CD for twelve ninety nine. So might want to take advantage of that if, if you're an Amazon user. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll tell you what, that version of Pure Imagination is worth buying the whole album for, for me. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah, I, I have, like, my feelings about Willy Wonka are almost as, as potent as my feelings about the monkeys, so I was really sad I didn't get to fly out to New York and catch this show live, but now, from everything you both have gushed about this album, I'm going to have to, I think after we, we finish recording, I'm going to go hop over and uh, purchase my own copy, so. There you go. Great. All right, excellent. Well, today on Zilch... We're going to do the color cast commentary for Monkeys a la Carte. So this is going to be very cool, and Craig Cohn will be joining us. Sadly, Jeff Hewlett is off on assignment monkeying around. So let's play this ad, and on the other side of this, Craig Cohen, Sarah Clark, and Melanie Mitchell will be doing Monkeys a la Carte commentary. The new book, Psychedelic Bubblegum, Voice and Heart, The Monkeys and Turning Mayhem into Miracles. Available May 12, 2015. Immerse yourself in Grammy, Golden Globe, and Academy Award-nominated songwriter Bobby Hart's world. As half of the duo of Voice and Heart, he and his partner, Tommy Voice, wrote the songs that launched the Monkeys to stardom and eventually reaching over 100 million in sales. Psychedelic Bubblegum is a roller coaster ride through the 60s and 70s during America's whirlwind era of free speech, mysticism, psychedelic pop culture, and of course, rock and roll. If you're into the 60s and 70s pop, Psychedelic Bubblegum is a must read book. Written by Bobby Hart with Glenn Ballantyne and a foreword by Mickey Dolenz. Find Bobby Hart at Facebook, 
go to the Psychedelic Bubblegum Facebook page and go to bobbyhart.com for full details. Hey, wait a minute, guys. You know what? It's 7.36, 30 Central Time. It's time for the monkeys. I wonder if anybody around here has got a television set. Hi, friends. Ralph Williams, one of the world's largest... An island of peace on my stormy little planet of guns. Holy cliffhangers, Batman. The Monkeys, brought to you by Kellogg. Tonight's Monkey's Color Cast commentary is brought to you by April's Laundromat. Now open seven days a week. See April to get your suds half off. Open seven days a week, convenient to the beach in Malibu. Hello, and welcome back to the Monkey's Color Cast commentary. This week, we are going to be talking about Monkey's a la carte. And as always, I'm joined by Monkey Magic author Melanie Mitchell. Welcome. Hello. And we have a special guest tonight sitting in for the absent Jeff Hewlett, a regular correspondent here on Zilch, Sarah Clark. Hi, I don't know how special I am, but yay, glad to be here. Uh, you're very special, Sarah. Aww. <laughs> All right, so it seems like everybody expects this from us now, Melanie, so I believe we have some business to take care of from our pilot discussion. Yeah, I'm always cleaning up whatever happened the last time around. Um, <laughs> and we appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's always a pleasure to be able to mention people who've uh, helped me out. And in this case, I'm going to point out that Rusty Huber contacted me shortly after that episode went live to identify the park where the Kittyland scenes were filmed. Um, it's actually Belmont Park, which is a park that still exists on the outskirts of S San Diego. Um, that uh, carousel, however, is no longer there. They have a different carousel now. Hmm. Um, and it's actually possible to see a Belmont Park sign in the background during the carousel scenes. So I was able to confirm that. Jeff had asked about the beautiful carved mahogany bar where the tipsy man confronted the monkeys as they were trying to run away. Right. Um, that bar still exists at the Hotel Del Coronado. It's called the Babcock and Story Bar, and I've done a side-by-side -side comparison of the carved woodwork, and it's exactly the same. It's a beautiful-looking bar. So next time you're in San Diego, stop by the Hotel Del Coronado and raise a glass to the monkeys at the Babcock and Story Bar. Yeah, that would be a pretty neat photo op. Yeah, I plan to do that if I'm ever down there again. <laughs> And finally, uh, during the panel discussion, I mentioned one of the men who made it to the final round of the show's auditions in 1965, uh, Bill Calloway. Many people alerted me afterwards that another one of the finalists is Bill Chadwick, who remained close to the Monkees throughout the 60s, wrote songs for them, and sang backup on some of the records. Hmm, very interesting. Uh, he also wrote a manufactured image with uh, Maggie McManus and Ed Riley, which is a wonderful book that was done in the 80s. And pick it up on eBay if you ever run across it. All right. Very cool. And if you've ever seen a photograph of Peter with George Harrison and a third person in the room who bears a passing resemblance to Mickey Dolan's, that's Bill Chadwick. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> Very cool. Some uh, great little tidbits there. And once again, thank you to everybody who helps us put together some of the uh, the mysteries that we uh, present for ourselves here on these commentary tracks. All right. So we're going to be talking about monkeys a la carte. And we have a usual gang of suspects behind the scenes. It's directed by James Frawley and written by Gerald Gardner, D. Caruso and Bernie Ornstein. And Sarah, do you want to let us in on some of the guest stars? Uh, sure. Harvey Limbeck played Fusilli, and Carl Lucas played Rocco, and they were both regulars on the Phil Silver Show, which is also known as Sergeant Bilko. Uh, Limbeck played Bilko's right-hand man, Corporal Barbarella. Uh, another one that's worth noting is uh, Paul Mousy Garner, uh, playing B -B 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 Benny the Book, uh, who was actually a member of the vaudeville troupe that would eventually evolve into the Three Stooges. Oh, wow. All right. And Melanie, you have some returning or uh, some multiple appearance actors for the monkeys. That's right. Uh, two of the people in this episode will appear in future monkeys episodes. Uh, one of them is Helene Winston, who plays Big Flora. 
Um, she will also appear in Monkeys on the Line as the owner of the uh, answering service. Um, I'll also say that uh, from 1975 to 1980, she was one of the stars of a Canadian TV series called King of Kensington. Mm, very interesting. Um, also, Dort Clark, who is the inspector in this episode, uh, made three appearances on the Monkeys. Every single time he was playing basically the same character, a mm -hmm. uh, slightly incompetent but very enthusiastic police detective. All right. Excellent. And uh, the Star Trek fan in me uh, couldn't let us move on without pointing out that John Kowal, who played Patty the Fix, um, right before this episode of The Monkees, played um, Herm Gossett on Mud's Women on uh, that classic uh, episode. And then also Paul Sorensen, who plays Red O'Leary, appeared as Captain um, in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. So we have quite a few guest stars um, to keep our eyes on in this episode. So if you ladies are ready, I'll start the countdown. Okay. Okay. All right. So we will start our color cast commentary for Monkeys a la Carte in three, two, one. Well, here we have the monkeys enjoying the world's longest foot-long sub. <laughs> Being carefully watched by a little old Italian restaurateur named Pop. And he's one of three Pops we have in this series. All of them were quiet, ineffectual, older gentlemen who desperately needed help. Um, but this Pop is played by an elderly Italian actor who only has two credits on IMDb, Paul DeVille. This and a made-for-TV movie in 1972. Wow. So all I can think is he must have been doing a lot of stage acting in between. Yep, and it, it speaks to kind of the theme of the boys sticking up for the older generation when they need a hand, which I really like, especially in these early episodes. Right on. Sweet old pop, though. Paul DeVille's yeah. a rather wooden actor. <laughs> <laughs> But it's interesting that we have the two actors who used to appear on Phil Silvers together um, now appearing as the two colleagues in crime. Yeah. Maybe they got a group right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love the, the gag that's coming up here is some, why don't you pick on somebody your own size? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that it's Davey who's standing up for Pop. Yes. <laughs> and of course, the, the rejoinder is there's nobody here my size. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And they actually repeated a joke here. Um, you're awfully t uh, tough with a gun in your hand. Um, it was Mike who said that in the uh, Monkeys in a Ghost Town episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> also, the restaurant is being played by the ballroom set. We have those old pea green walls. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fluted pilasters and the stage. It's definitely the same set. <laughs> so this is the episode with the highest body count. Yeah, and a lot of violence right out of the gate. We get a gun right away, and then we also get uh, uh, Davy being struck. Yeah, I gotta like go watch the last ten minutes of the Breaking Bad finale again. I think this might beat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. The body count is six. <laughs> but it's actually the only episode of the Monkeys that has a. a multiple deaths. Um, I think there's one in everywhere, Shake Shake. Um, mostly, uh, we don't have people getting killed. Right. As a general rule. Yeah, as a general rule. This is the first time we've seen the monkeys have a board meeting since uh, the pilot, which of mm -hmm. course was just aired one week earlier, but there's actually a lot of episodes in between as far as filming is concerned. Yep. I love the timing on a lot of the lines in this uh, this board meeting here, and uh, there's some great Peter gags. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. I'd just like to say that at the end of the meeting, Mickey is going to read the minutes, <laughs> um, and he's going to say it's a minute and 12, which I will tell you right now about timing. Um, I timed this scene. It's only 50 seconds. Now. Ah. <laughs> mm, they must have cut some stuff. So that's a new meeting record. Yay. <laughs> I'm just surprised it only took one punch to make Davy so reluctant here. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. He's not usually the one to be like, hey, wait a minute, let's stop and think about this. He's usually, you know, very enthusiastic about, you know, getting involved and, and yeah. coming to the rescue. It's not his style. Mm -hmm. 
I love this this line that he's coming up on that yeah, I get hungry on the road. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good reason to have a restaurant in every town in the West. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the old gangster movie gag played for laughs. Yeah. I love the fact that they're they're shocked that there's actually a guitar in the guitar, guitar. case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a guitar in the guitar case. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So they're asking for their jobs back. I like that uh, they came back to be musicians, but it looks like musicians is not what he's looking for. Yep. Now, I love the physicality in this scene. Is that really as heavy as Peter's making it look? Either he's really carrying an incredibly heavy tray, or he's doing a great job pretending that he's carrying a really heavy tray. Either way, he's doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those plates look like the standard, like, plastic plates you would get. So mm-hmm. there's got to be some weight there. Yeah. Yeah, but but he's always – I think he's usually the standout when it comes to the physical comedy and the sight gags. He does that stuff so well. <laughs> and here we get a nice cartoon-style gag here. Yeah, unfortunately, you can see the wire. Yes. I wonder – do you think that was part of the gag? What the, the wire would be visible? The, the wire was visible. <laughs> I don't think so, but it makes knows? it funnier. But could be, could be, it could be that just they didn't care. Yeah, I mean, TV sets in the 1966, mm-hmm. they were disposable. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, shooting these I things was like very upset about this scene when I saw oh. it as a child. That you know, and I, I say it's, I don't appreciate Mickey slapping Peter. Yeah, I mean, Peter really, Mickey really goes after Peter a lot in these early episodes. I don't quite know what that's all about, but. <laughs> and then when he asks Mike, what did I do wrong? Mike leads him to believe that he actually did something wrong by saying, don't yeah. do it again. <laughs> now, this is a wonderful romp. I love this romp. Mm-hmm. Some There's... folks on the Facebook group were calling it their favorite romp of the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're so enthusiastic about their cooking. It's mm-hmm. it's not just that they're goofing off in the kitchen. It's that they're actually enthusiastically working or tossing pie pans around. But yeah. even so, there's a lot of enthusiasm and joy to what they're doing. And just so many great sight gags. I mean, uh, I assume Jim Frawley directed this since he directed the episode. And he really did a good job putting this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we have a recycled shot when we see Mike with the spaghetti I think it's the other way around. They yeah. shot for this episode and then used it for Success Story. Okay, yeah. Huh. Because remember, Success Story was shown out of sequence. It was filmed late and shown early. Right. Mm-hmm. And this will be the first time we hear uh, Not Your Stepping Stone this episode. They they used that song again this episode, which was a little odd to me. I yeah, think the word you're look, looking for is lazy. But <laughs> <laughs> I think the words you're looking for is we're a minute short. <laughs> we're a minute short. We want the signal to hit big. Many possible descriptions. <laughs> okay, I'd just like to say Peter's sneezing on the salt and peppers shakers. That's a little queasy for me. I have a still photo of the crewman who's standing above Peter in that scene, holding a, a wooden peel to catch the pizza um, crust. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. <sighs> and I swear, these guys can play a side of beef like nobody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Peter. <laughs> It is pretty impressive at the end here when Peter cuts the watermelon in half, though. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that was like a gimmicked watermelon? Well, oh, no. I think it's cool that the pizza crust landed with a hole right on his eye. Yes. Yeah. I, well done. No, I don't think so. I no, it's a great cut. It. Yeah, that yeah, is a great shot. It's hard to tell the with the camera move, but mm-hmm. <laughs> there's Dort Clark. Mm-hmm. I love him. He always gets to interrogate the monkeys. Every episode he appeared in, there's an interrogation scene. Yep. He's so good at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And there's a, there's a little um, film illusion coming up about the Purple Flower Gang and how they caught them is by going from flower to flower to flower. That's right from The King and I. 
Okay. Oh, so it is. Yeah, I'd never made that connection. Thank you, Melanie. Uh oh, Mickey, don't do it. Mickey, don't do it. Oh, oh don't do it. <laughs> oh, Ryan Peter. <laughs> There's a funny moment coming up when um, Peter delivers the line Is it true that there are no two glove prints in the, alike in the world? <laughs> the, cam the camera is out of focus. I mean, badly out of focus. Yeah. Either that or Peter wasn't on his mark. Um, but they didn't bother redoing the shot, so it's mm -hmm. it's like a noticeable fuzziness. Yep. <laughs> and also, that wine looks remarkably like Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> well, later on, we're going to have a bottle of white wine that looks remarkably like water or vodka. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, tape recorder never works. I wonder no. if, if kids watching this today really appreciate the the fact that, you know, it was so easy to record over that the act of recording mm -hmm. was also the act of erasing what was on the tape previously. I'm not yeah. sure if that's a, a joke that communicates as well today as it did in the sixties. Well, 80% of scripts wouldn't work as well if you had smartphones too. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. They blew up the wrong thing. That almost always happens. Yeah. Is it just me or is there a lot of dubbing in this episode? It seems like they looped a lot of the lines over again. I, it could be. Yeah. Mickey's stuff especially. Uh-huh. So we come back from commercial. Apparently they're quite good at uh, running a restaurant. They're making good food and uh, and presumably checking the hats and selling the cigarettes and, and all the other things that restaurant employees are supposed to do. Nope. <laughs> I suppose Fuseli fired all of his other employees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Knew they'd work cheap, probably. Yeah, they pretty much agreed to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we've got the big meeting. Yeah. Scheme. I'm never exactly sure what it is the monkeys are doing to try to get the restaurant back into Pop's hands. <laughs> which is ostensibly what they're there to do. Yeah, they really don't make this this whole strategy terribly clear at any point, but hey. <laughs> oh, they're making it up as they go along. Yep. And this series was not generally known for its intricate plotting, so... <laughs> I love this business where each one of them introduces themselves not only by their names but by their criminal specialties. Mm -hmm. Fraud and extortion. <laughs> and a little applause. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so we get the, the four members. Oh, and Peter... <laughs> Introduce himself, guitar and bass trombone. But does he play bass trombone? Not that I'm aware of. I wonder yeah. whether the line was actually bass guitar and, and trombone. I don't know. Because bass guitar is what he plays in the band. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, in he any case, French horn in real life, so it might translate. Oh, and, and here yeah. comes probably my favorite line of the whole episode. <laughs> uh... I'm going to kill the little one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just said with such delivery that yep. you can tell that Davey really, really annoys him. Yeah. At these early episodes, it they are so strengthened by the, the caliber of the character actors they got in here. They really kind of, yeah. you know, elevate and give them a lot of support in the early episodes. Uh-huh. Yeah, there were so many incredibly talented actors working in TV in the 60s as well. I mean, that's one thing me and Jeff noticed um, on our Star Trek show, um, doing our commentaries for those. And it's just amazing uh, the caliber of talent that uh, that was actively working. Yeah. So here are the guys as, doubling as the Purple Flower Gang, and they do not have purple flowers. Correct. Because they're... And this is wonderful how they go down the line with what it was like to escape. And then Peter's like, and we're very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> who's, got, who's got the best mustache in your opinion? Oh, I see. Best mm -hmm. in the sense of most realistic or? Just your favorite. 
Uh, I kind of like Davies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I Davies. Like, uh -huh. Yeah, Davies is probably the best, but Mike's probably the funniest. Mike's is the funniest, and I like. Um, Peter's the most realistic. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like Mickey, Mickey's kind of like Old West. <laughs> yeah, he's got a handlebar thing going on now yeah. you mention. <laughs> I love this business. It is so, <laughs> so funny because Rocco is so, in, you know, earnest about it. And Peter's like answers him back with the exact same tone. And Rocco says, oh, oh yeah, hurry back. <laughs> this gun says I go. Yep. Uh. <laughs> and here we go. So it does seem like Fuseli is trying to carve off little tiny bits of Los Angeles for his uh, uh, com competitors. You know, little tiny yes. bits, but uh, they're not having it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we have all this back and forth with the Purple Flower Gang having to turn back and forth into the uh, monkeys and back again. Mm -hmm. They're really exhausting the magic in that kitchen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's got to be some low-level ma magic going on because, I mean, I know, you know, Clark Kent can put on some glasses and is okay, but those mustache, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know whether when they go into the kitchen, is it like a real fast, speeded-up change of clothes or is it an instantaneous transformation? That's, you know, I don't know. The silly they, part they, of my brain. Yeah, they were never really, you know, they didn't really construct the rules. But I guess it's sort of, <laughs> monkey magic is like Calvin Ball. Yeah. It, <laughs> I really understood that. <laughs> they're getting tired, that's for darn sure. Yeah, I think that oh. is an indication that they're actually, um, you know, speedily changing clothes. Uh-huh. That's a heck of a fast change. <laughs> Now notice that there's this is the second time in this episode that there's been a call for a vote and yet no vote actually occurs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at no point does Peter here think to take off the mustache to prove <laughs> he's not a member of the Purple Flower Gang. Oh, your tax dollars at work, folks. <laughs> <laughs> And here we go. Yeah, it's time to bamboozle the competition. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, though, this whole bamboozling, it doesn't totally make <laughs> sense. I just, I love the fact that there really are nine criminals involved in this. Mm -hmm. If you count the four purple flower gang members. Right. And tic-tac-toe is the perfect metaphor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as silly and absurd as, as this is, it kind of works. And, you know, Mickey's running around whispering things in people's ears. <laughs> it's a metaphor and it's a it's a diversion and it's a game all in one. Yep. Just I just wish the them. paint would adhere to the paper a little better. Oh, yeah. Now, one of the members of the Monkey Magic Group, I, sorry to re report, I don't remember who, um, pointed out that um, they're all poisoning the various members of the syndicate towards Fuseli. You know, they're yeah. all saying, Fuseli's trying to rip you off. Fuseli's going to double cross you and so forth. But when they start shooting, they don't shoot at Fuseli. They shoot at each other. <laughs> yeah. The fact, yeah. The fact I, that they're now going for multiple games of tic-tac-toe. Yeah, <laughs> they've totally lost focus at this point. <laughs> and here we have the good cop, bad cop routine, yeah. which... Uh, Peter kind of uh, <laughs> takes to the limit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but who doesn't want a Danish with their coffee? Oh. <laughs> but, you know, you give him coffee and cream and two sugars mm -hmm. and, and he'll confess to anything. Mm -hmm. Well, here's kind of where the shift happens. They, they, they kind of get shifted from ganging up against Fusilli to like, they just all start creating chaos and ripping stuff up. And that's kind of where they all start squabbling with each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that was an actual map of Los Angeles. Kind of oh. looked like it. Nice detail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They probably had one sitting around. 
<laughs> so so yes. now it's time for Peter to start confessing to the gas station job and the Lusitania. Right. <laughs> Not very hard to get a confession out of him. <laughs> well, well, a cup of coffee, cream and two sugars. That'll do it. Yeah. You see, now they're mad at Fuseli again. Yeah. They got Fuseli and Rocco in the middle with two of the syndicate members on either side. Mm hmm and everybody's firing across the table. Right. Incidentally, um, it's very characteristic. Oh, here we go with the. Yeah. Got to have a pretty girl on the show. <laughs> now, I would, would love to see a script for this episode, and I haven't yet, um, to know whether that was in the script or whether the director, i.e. James Frawley, actually did decide that there ought to be a pretty girl in the episode. Do we know who that is? Who the pretty girl is, by the way? She didn't look real familiar to me, but... Not a clue. Okay. Oh, clue. It sounds like we have a little homework for next episode. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> There's your first man down. Yep. <laughs> and, and Mickey's really sort of the... Uh, the cause of all these. I mean, he doesn't pull the trigger, obviously, but yeah. he causes the distraction. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, he's actually trying to stop them. But yeah. mm -hmm. the, what I was going to say a moment ago was that Mickey is almost always the one to deliver the guns never solved anything speech. Mm -hmm. Right. If there is such a speech in an episode, it's usually Mickey who's giving it. <laughs> Although he doesn't look too disappointed that he's failing. No. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> And Mike and Davey have just, you know, utterly moved on to tic-tac-toe. So. Yeah, this is the black humor of the episode is mm -hmm. tic-tac-toe while the bullets are flying overhead. Yep. <laughs> and I love that during the tic-tac-toe game, um, Mike's mustache had come loose and they didn't care. <laughs> and then we have random, uh, this is your extra stepping stone romp, yep. just random clips from other episodes. I suppose it's supposed to represent them running away from the cops, but really? <laughs> they, 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 they didn't really cover the denouement very well. I mean, you get the feeling that they're, they're you know, everything's good because they're playing for pop, but yeah. Yeah. And this... there's just little bits and bobs from various romps. and mm -hmm. People must be wondering what the dogs were about because they haven't seen that episode yet. Oh, that's right. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And then ending with a bit from the ghost town. Mm-hmm. And then we come back from commercial, and there's Pop again. Play yeah, for me, boys. Well, we end with them in jail, but now they're out playing she. I don't know. <laughs> Incidentally, um, some many episodes later, I don't know exactly how many, but another character named Pop will invite them to play and they will play she again. Oh wow. Be this oh exact same sequence. <laughs> <laughs> I think um everybody does a great job selling the song here. Um mm -hmm. it really feels like a band playing it. Uh you know, Peter's a little maybe a little too expressive, but um, I've always thought, and, and I, I said this on the roundtable discussion for, for the album, that, you know, this really sounds like Peter um, singing in the background on the album to me. And uh, yeah. I, 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 I love the sequence in the sense that every, the band really looks like they're performing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Davey's tambourine is a little wonky, but aside from that, yeah. <laughs> Karen Welsh on the Facebook group pointed out that Peter's over-enthusiastic playing might actually be a deliberate choice on the actor's part that he may have been intentionally overplaying the playing um, because his character a lot is of them. Yeah. such yeah. a naive, innocent, sort of childlike character. Yeah. It works for me. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely works for me. I mean, he doesn't do like that when he's performing for real, at least not right. that I've observed. And I like the framing they used at uh, the one shot where you could see Mickey through Davy's tambourine. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. That was lovely. Probably filmed the same time as Papa Jean's Blues because um, it had that same uh, solid background. Mm -hmm. And um, I think they were wearing the gray suits for Papa Jean's Blues. I was about Jean's to say, Blues. I think they were in the suits too, yeah. 
those are the only two of the performances that are done that way. Mm-hmm. And and here's uh, Peter was just doing the the great solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Showing that he actually does know how to play that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, he and he and David Davy seem to have a lot of fun, you know, grinning at each other and. Yeah, they have some good chemistry in this one. Yeah. It was actually watching this episode earlier today before we sat down here where I, I sort of bemoan the fact that um, the guys didn't go on to do more acting after the monkeys or, you know, because they're all naturally gifted um, and charismatic. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess that's a discussion for another day because we are getting to the end of the episode and we have to pick our most valuable monkey. And I will start and I will say my most valuable monkey for this episode is Peter. Um, just because Peter has so many great opportunities in this episode, uh, from the tray gag to his interaction with the police when he's mistaken as a member of the Purple Flower Gang. So that's my vote. Um, Melanie. My vote is also for Peter, not only for carrying that heavy tray or pretending that it was a heavy tray, but also because he conjured up a gun that says, I go. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And Sarah. Well, I'm going to be the odd person out. I mean, you guys make a really good argument for Peter, and I almost changed my mind at the last second, but I think I'm actually going to go with Mickey, because if you look in terms of the plot, he seems to be actually, like, leading a lot of the attempts to take the gangsters down. I mean, he's the one whispering in their ear and trying to record audio and all that kind of stuff. Mm, Very, very valid point. Yeah. So, so those are our votes, and make sure that you go on the Facebook group and submit your vote for the most valuable monkey for this episode and any other episodes that you might have missed voting for. I know Melanie is doing a tremendous job tracking all of the voting, and I guess eventually down the line we will have a definitive answer <laughs> as who the most valuable monkey was at the end of the series. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to the end of another ColorCast commentary. And as always, it was a pleasure to sit here and talk the monkeys with you, Melanie. And Sarah, thank you so much for uh, for filling our third chair. You're very welcome. I always love hanging out with you guys. All right, Melanie, and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's Monkeys ColorCast. I'm your announcer, Ghosty Timbers. Now, back to the show. You know, the word oldies isn't a dirty word. Not in my book, anyway. Hey, this is Ghosty. How would you like to listen to a radio show that spins top hits, lost gems, and then some from the glorious years between 1955 and 1972? One that features interviews with the likes of Julie Newmark, John Sebastian, Al Jardine, Mickey Dolenz, Don Wells, David Cassidy, Angela Cartwright, Bill Medley, Ronnie Spector, Connie Stevens, and many more. Well, the Vintage Rock and Pop Shop is on the air every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 89.1 WFDU-FM. That's in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. You can also listen to it live online by going to WFDU.FM. But there's an even easier way for you folks who aren't in the New York, New Jersey area and don't want to have to get up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on a Sunday morning. You can listen to it anytime you want just by clicking the handy links over on our Facebook page. So go on to Facebook. You're probably already on Facebook. Look for the Vintage Rock and Pop Shop. Like it, live it, love it. And thanks. Well, that's all we have today for Zilch. We hope that you enjoyed monkeying around with us today. We hope that you check out Nez's new album. We hope you check out Mickey's new album. And Peter, it's time for you to put out a new album. We will definitely publicize that. And there is the Peter Tork fan experience coming up, right, Melanie? Yeah, uh, October 2, 3, and 4 with the uh, performances on the 2nd and 3rd and the fan party on the 4th. Uh, the Facebook team has been hinting that there are surprises in store. I don't know what they are. I can't wait to find out. And I New hope to see album. Some... <laughs> Could be. Uh, that's hope. what I want. <laughs> but I do hope to see some of our uh, Zilch listeners at one or more of those events next weekend. Well, We want to thank you for listening, and again, leave us a review on iTunes, and spread the word to any of your fellow monkey fans about Zilch. We will see you on the next episode of Zilch, and we will let Craig Cohen's second favorite monkey song play out. Click. And that's our show. Zilch is an online, non-profit monkey's audio fanzine, made by fans for fans. 
Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the Monkees or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. All right, I'm recording. Well, in that case, I should wash the dishes while we're doing this. Yeah. Let's do a show where we'll regret. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get a level. This is Ken Mills. I pay the bills. I got the thrills to kill. Here we are. And there's Sarah. Say something. Something. And something there's profound. Melanie. Something that will help you get a level. Something in the way she moves. We could say you were from South Africa. This is Milane from South Africa. Like no other lover. I always wanted to do that when somebody said, sing something. Yeah. She's saying that. Again, making dreams come true here. So, yep. Uh, this isn't like one of those 90 minutes where we get into discussing um, who played bass on something. Au revoir. And Melanie Mitchell. Goodbye. I, I I think you meant to say hello. Yes, I did. Bonjour. 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 Wait, did bonjour. I do bonjour last time? Yeah, let's no, let's you let's said just meow let's, last time. Yeah, meow. meow. Okay, okay so, I'm sorry, and I thought I was the one who wasn't sleep deprived. Okay. All right, say 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 bonjour again, because on our discussion of headquarters side two, I Pisces. done messed up. Pisces. Pisces. What did I say? Headquarters. Okay. Uh, that I'll I understand. I would just instead of trying to edit. <laughs> Plus, this gives us an outtake for after the show. Yeah, I'm gonna unplug my mic and let you guys do it. Okay. Mm. Well, that wraps up another laugh riot. And this is Mike Nesmith, Mickey Dolans, and Peter Tom, and Davy Jones, and Mickey Dolans, reminding you to save the Texas prairie chicken. Boom, boom, here we come, walking down the street, we get the funniest looks from everyone we meet.